Welcome to Bucks Insider Live. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. We're here to talk about everything Buccaneers related from the game that did not go as we had wanted it to go to this upcoming game that we hope will go a little bit better. And of course, to answer all of your Facebook questions. So if you have one for us, make sure you head on over to the live video on Facebook and leave it in the comments section right underneath. We'll get to those later <coughs> in the show. So uh, for now, let's just start with the takeaways uh, on this game of now that we've had a few days to digest the unfortunate outcome. What are some of the big things that stand out to you? Well, Casey, it's just most, a lot of NFL games come down to one score or just a few points. And no matter who is favored or by how much, it's still a lot of them come down to that. And that means that a lot of these games come down to a handful of plays. One team makes them and one doesn't. And a lot of times those key plays are in what coaches like to call situational football, third downs, red zone, short yardage, two-minute drills and short yards including two-point conversions and the Buccaneers have already lost two games by two points in which they could have tied the game with a two-point conversion and did not. The Buccaneers just simply didn't make the plays in those key moments and the most glaring of those obviously were the third and 11s and longer, four of them almost consecutively uh, that Mitchell Trubisky and the Steelers were able to convert and Coach Bowles said on Monday that he knows exactly what happened of course he does after watching the film on each of those four plays and in each one of them it was a different player who made the critical mistake. Mm. Uh, it's disappointing obviously and the Buccaneers certainly expected to win against a 1-5 team that had a, a secondary depleted by injuries but they did not make the plays in those key moments in situational football and that is probably what has to change for the Buccaneers to get back on track. 3-3, three three, first place in the NFC South, that's obviously the optimistic way to look at it but they've also lost three of their last four games and a couple of those felt like they were very winnable. Yeah, and I know that in particular we talked going into the game about how depleted that Steelers yeah. secondary was, and I think we assumed this could be a get-right game for the Buccaneers sure. offense that has so much potential, and we've seen it with you know, a lot of the same people put mm -hmm. up 30 plus a game pretty consistently and to see that especially the struggles early on getting that going. And so what did you see happen this game and not only not maybe being able to take advantage of the secondary that was pretty depleted, but even some of your more go to guys yeah. like Chris Godwin, right. we saw I think he was only one of six in terms of the early targets. Yeah to him so what did you see happening from the passing game and, and particularly the longer passing game that wasn't clicking i don't think it was the best game for some of those guys including tom brady um tom brady's been awesome and, and actually the 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 uh passing game was sort of getting right before that game they threw, threw tom brady threw for 381 yards and three touchdowns against kansas city he threw for another 350 in the win against atlanta had just the one touchdown because red zone has become a problem the last couple games and was again here. So it was surprising, I would say, that they were unable to make these connections, even if the Pittsburgh defense was playing a sort of game that was intended to try to take away the big plays. And I think that's why Tom Brady kept trying to go to Chris Godwin early on, and they just couldn't hook up, which is uncharacteristic because those two, over the time Tom Brady's been here, have had a great connection. And I think they will continue. I'm not worried in the long run that that's not going to work. And in fact, Chris ended up catching six catches for 95 yards, which would normally seem like a good day, but he was targeted 12 times. So that's not great efficiency. <clears throat> but Tom Brady to Mike Evans to Chris Godwin is still what this offense is all about and what is going to carry us forward, I believe. And the amazing thing about this is uh, it's hard to believe that we're watching these two guys at the same time 
together on the same offense for so long. And if you look at this list here, obviously we know Mike Evans is the leading receiver in franchise history by a long shot. Chris Godwin is about to become number two. Number one of everybody that's not named Mike Evans. He only needs 36 more yards to pass uh, a Buccaneer legend in Kevin House and 126 more to pass Mark Harrier. Wow. And then the only guy who would have more yards than him in team history is his teammate Mike Evans, which I think it kind of snuck up on me a little bit that we have one and two, or we're soon going to have one and two in that's franchise incredible. history. Yeah, that means that's been a fun time to be a Bucs fan, too, yeah. watching all of these the receiving offense, yards. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know that. Antoine Winfield Jr. has definitely been a bright spot on this team and this defense, no matter what has been going on with the games or how many yes. points allowed or anything, that he has seemed to me maybe the most consistent player on defense. Sure. Yeah, you would agree with that. So mm -hmm. tell me what you've seen from him and the fact that we can be saying that about a guy that's essentially having to play a new role and is still such a young player is, is amazing to me. Well, I think the most telling thing about this is that with uh, Logan Ryan out and then Mike Edwards out, the what they didn't okay so when we had both those guys Antoine Winfield and Mike Edwards would start at safety in base packages and then in sub packages like the nickel uh, which you usually are in about 65 to 70 percent of the time so it's almost your really your base defense right. Antoine Winfield goes down to become the slot corner and Logan first Logan Ryan and then Keanu Neal came in to be the third safety with Logan Ryan and Mike Edwards out they didn't take Antoine Winfield back and make him a safety 100 percent of the snaps and put in a third cornerback into the slot. They kept Winfield in his role and put the very inexperienced D. Delaney, a cornerback, at safety. That is because they did not want to mess with what was happening with Anton Winfield. And they had this new role for him where he's a safety and a slot corner, and he is making impact plays every single game, including a sack in this last one. And you just want to keep him in that role. Uh, look at this. Over the, He's the only defensive back in the NFL, by the way, including all these three guys here, or five guys here, who has double-digit sacks in each of the last three seasons, which, which for him are his only three NFL seasons. But here's another thing in addition to this that might amaze you. He's got 8.0 sacks. How far away do you think that Antoine Winfield is from being the Bucks' all-time leader among safeties and sacks? Ooh. Well, if you're asking, probably pretty close, right? He's already got it. Whoa! He's, that's the most sacks any Buccaneer safety has ever had in his career. Already. After this, that's crazy. Two, two years and six games. That is incredible. What a statistic. Like and John Lynch was an amazing player. He's in the oh, Hall yeah. of Fame. He used to have the record at six because they just didn't blitz him a lot. Right. That's the best part of it is just the role he's being put in, the yes. way that Bowles sets them up. And that's what the guys talk about, about why they love Bowles' scheme. It sets them up to make yeah. so many of those splash plays at all different positions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, was it Larry Foote who was saying the other week about how they look forward Thursday to morning Thursday meetings. mornings? Yep. Like, is my name going to get yeah. called? I want, I want to be the guy. Yeah, probably the better comparison for Antoine than the other safeties in the league is Rondé Barber because Rondé Barber played that slot role and they blitzed him a lot and obviously he had a billion sacks. I mm -hmm. mean, his, I think, 28, just an amazing number for a defensive back. That's more what Antoine Winfield is chasing. Right, yeah, and I think I saw that he's tied among all defensive backs in the league this year for sacks already, yes, yes, right? Yeah, yeah with, with three. three. And we're six games in. Yeah. So it could be five, it could be six by the end of the season, and if he can add a couple picks to that as well, he was already a Pro Bowler last year, but I've made the prediction on our Salty Dogs podcast before the season that I thought Antoine Winfield would be a first-team APL Pro. Yeah, I think he deserves But you've got to have counting numbers for, for the voters to vote right. for you, so he needs more sacks and a few more picks, and he'll have a shot. Okay, and then you kind of mentioned this earlier in the show, but um, <clears throat> I know that you know, football fans, they're passionate, and they, that occasionally can mean a bit of a sky is falling yep. mindset. Uh, it's understandable. It's fair. It's understandable. Nobody likes to lose. And uh, I know that this is at 3-3, three and three, maybe not where the Bucks 
wanted to be or hope to be at this point in the season. What do you see as what this means for where we're at and moving forward of can they still accomplish what they yeah. want to accomplish at three and yeah, three? Like I said before, three and th three and three doesn't feel great because you're one and three in your last right. four and a couple games there that you really felt like you probably should have won. That being said, if you want to take the glass half full look at it, they are tied for the division lead with Atlanta, who looks to... to be better than you expect, but mm -hmm. we already have a win over them. We already have a win over New Orleans, and we have a shot to make it a first-half sweep in the division this weekend against Carolina. And there's a lot of different sites that have NFL playoff odds on them. One of the most prominent is 538. They often they do a lot of election stuff, too. Their playoff odds, or I'm sorry, their division-winning odds for the Buccaneers, they still have us at 73%. Mm -hmm. And that's the, third, that's the third best of all the eight division leaders because some of these, quite frankly, some of these teams have a lot more competition. I mean, mm -hmm. the Eagles are 6-0, and and their record, their, their playoff chance. odds are below us because wow. Giants are 5-1 and Dallas is 4-2. It's got to be frustrating. So <laughs> I'm not saying anything about the other teams in the Bucks division, but by record at least, there it isn't the toughest division in the league, and the Buckners already have a 2-0 record against division opponents. Now they're about to play a Carolina team that recently fired its head coach and has tons of injuries at the quarterback position. You, you obviously cannot ex go there expecting a win just because of that, because we just saw what happened in Pittsburgh. Right. That being said, if the Buccaneers can fix a few things, they should have a good shot at going 3-0 in the division this weekend. So tell me what those things are in your mind yep. that you most want to see this weekend against Carolina and, and maybe the chances of being able to fix them in yep. essentially one week, that there's you know the idea of what they know they need to do, but can it actually happen this weekend? Tempted to say running games since the Buccaneers are last in the league in the yards per game, but I'm not sure they really need to be a great running team. In order, they really haven't been a great running team the last couple of years, but still had the highest scoring offense in the league. One of the things I would say is probably uh, red zone. In the last two games, the Bucks are, I think, three of nine or three of eight, something like that, in the red zone. It's, that means scoring touchdowns. Right. They've got to score touchdowns. Yep. The Buccaneers had the ball about six inches from the goal line in that game. Second and one brought in a power package, lost three yards. Third down, Tom Brady got sacked. You're six inches from the end zone, and you settle for three points, yeah. and you lose the game by two. Kind of easy to connect the dots there. Yep. So red zone would be a big one. <clears throat> the other thing that's confounding is, I don't know about you, but sometimes you're watching a game and it's not going exactly how you want, but you're like, this has got to turn around. And you say, somebody always says, boy, this would be a good time for a for an interception. Yep. Where are the takeaways? Yeah. The Buccaneers have not had it. They've had one takeaway in their last three games, and this is a Todd Bowles defense that is among the league leaders in takeaways since he got here. It's it's part of the DNA of this defense. Right. Where are they? They're mm -hmm. gone. There's no takeaways. It's a, it's a weird note, and it's partially positive. But the last two games, neither team has committed a turnover in the Bucs. That's only the second time in team history that the Bucs have gone two straight games in which neither team committed a turnover. So it's weird. Yeah. And obviously you like the fact that the offense hasn't turned the ball over. Right. But where are the turnovers in defense? So give me some, give me give me a little bit of success in the red zone, which I think they can fix by self-scouting and seeing what's working best and what's not. Yeah. And then I don't know how you, you can't really coach turnovers, but we need to get some more turnovers. Yeah, turnovers are so interesting because sometimes they're <clears throat> fluky, right? That it there was like the it. forced fumble, but then they fell on it. Exactly. You know? And it's sometimes a tipped pass that you could have intercepted if it hadn't been tipped. Yeah, or what, yeah. You know, that there's just some weird things yeah, about absolutely. it. Absolutely. But then I know that they wouldn't say that that's acceptable because that's always the case. And they've gotten more, you know, turnovers and yeah. takeaways in the past. The Bucks are about, I think, tied for fourth, something like that, in terms of takeaways with nine. But 
five of those came in one game in right. New Orleans, and four of them were in one quarter. Yeah. So they definitely come in bunches. They do. Uh, we just but gotta get that bunch started we're again. in a drought now. We need to go from drought to bunches. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live. Thank you so much for being with us. Enjoy the game this weekend. We'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.